customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Crowley, pleasure to be Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you here on a Tuesday. We are getting closer, Jay. Two and a half weeks. Almost here. Two and a half weeks until draft weekend. Big plans on that. Everybody's getting excited. The mock drafts are beginning to pile up. They're having to get more creative. Piling up. Talk about that. I mean, my uh, mock draft mailbag. The readers have responded. They are flooding my inbox with their picks. Oh, how's that going, Jay? It, I have a. I had to build two spreadsheets because I had to do wow. one just who for the the regular picks, and I had to build one for all the trades. So many people are making trades, so uh, it's it's a work in progress. That will be out later this week. Yeah, it's going to take some time. <laughs> it is challenge. People wanted to challenge your spreadsheeting ability, and I appreciate <laughs> that about them. Good for them. Uh, we have a lot to get to. We are we're doing what Bengals fans love today. What Bengals fans can't get enough of <laughs> line play, baby. Yep. That's right. Let's talk line play so that Bengals fans can get to their innermost frustrated fan let all the angst out <laughs> got to fix the offensive line for a decade right so no no fan base cares more no fan base is more dedicated to offensive line play but we're going both sides of the ball we're on offensive yeah. line and we're going to talk defensive line today for offensive line uh we're bringing brandon thorne onto the show excited to have him with us his individual interview up on the youtube channel so it's watching us on youtube good to have you here with us you can go watch that interview uh solo over there if you want to see that or if you're just if you're listening regular and you want to go just just hear that and see the facial expressions when two people talk real deep thoughts about trench play uh Boy, you can go check that out there. Uh, so Brandon's awesome, and we He's really terrific. dive. We, we dive in. We talk Jonah Williams. We talk Orlando Brown. We talk all the prospects that are kind of really in that front line of play through a Bengals lens of what they're looking for. Great interview with him. We're, we're going to kind of let that set the tone today. That'll be coming up here pretty soon. Um, we'll give some more thoughts on some places they could go there after that. 
Mo Egger will join us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit with him. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've had Mo. Yeah. We've been on vacations and, and away, and we have had draft stuff and emergency pods throwing us all off. So it'd be good to have Mo back in. I've got some, I got questions for Mo. Uh, and then defensive line play. We're going to get into that next. There's a lot of really interesting things happening there. We, of course, went pretty deep into the defensive line on the Trends show last week. So I recommend you going back and listening to that if you want to get um, a lot of the view of where the Bengals have been. And I do think that will shape what they will be here. Um, so go go check that out. We'll have Arby's. If you have questions, if you're watching on YouTube Live, again, thanks for doing that. If you have things you'd like us to maybe touch on as we're going through this, let us know. Drop your questions into the comments, and we'll see if we can get to some of them as we go through. Um, yeah, so Trend Week is kind of – we had a bow on it now. We, we wrapped all of it up the last week. We, we looked back at the 2020 draft. Jay looked at, uh, took a dive into years when the Bengals had a specific target and how that played out. Uh, I, I went all the way in on the, the main trends that have been at play with this team that will probably affect this year's draft that came out Sunday. Um, and, the, and the only way you can really tie a bow, though, Jay, is with a mock draft. So I did a full-on Bengals trend it's like, it was like kind of a collabo. It was like a feature, right? With yeah. with the beast, you know, tie-in. Because when you go through the beast, you find the trend nuggets you're looking for that are specific to Bengals traits. And it was easy to find some of them. And some new players' names surfaced in there. You can go check that mock draft out. It's It's up there now. So all the stuff on sort of... Looking back in order to understand what's going to happen going forward is uh, it's it's all the foundation is set. So I got a question. So your 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 mock draft trend, uh, it all made sense when you look at the picks and 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 where they're sliding. Are you going to be a mock draft critic? No, I'm going to ask you how you <laughs> how you would feel if that's the way it played out because uh, I think a lot of people expect O line first or second round and what was it fifth before you yeah it was just a pass one and yeah uh i'd feel okay about it look i mean I, I think that would you've got options over there i don't you know we'll mm -hmm. get into that so i i would be okay with it i i would not again people are coming at me about i did something wrong here this was me <laughs> this was not me picking paul daner de facto general manager reporting to mike brown this was Paul Daner reporting what the trends say the Bengals would do, what the yeah. Bengals history suggests they might do. Okay. So stop yelling at me about going in on running back early. Why are people so mad about that? You I'm just saying is. that is the trend of what has happened. Yeah. I wouldn't go in on running back in the second round. No. And frankly, I don't think they will, but I'm, and we risk, we described that last week. However, there is a history here, and there's a history of, of running backs over 200 pounds. So when I give them Zach Charbonnet and pick 60, it's because it checks a number of different boxes uh, for them and that we have seen them check over and over again. That's all. That's all. Stop yelling at me in the mentions, man. You know, the people that are yelling at you, you know what the first thing they did when they opened the story? Scrolled. They just they skip all the important. It's like when we do choose your adventure, or the mock draft mailbag. Okay. They don't read the directions. They don't okay. read the lead in. They don't read the all the stuff that matters. They just go straight to the first pick. So I think a lot of people lost the context by not reading the entire thing. See, but go you back know, and you read misunderstood it. it, Jay. You call that all the stuff that matters. That stuff doesn't matter to anyone. <laughs> this is about what did you do so I can come at you and criticize, and that's fine. 
I love it. That's what a mock draft is about. That's why people like it. Um, all that stuff is out. Beast is out. Make sure you check it out. We're going to have Dane on. Dane is like under the weather big time mm. from putting all that out. The man like didn't sleep to finish it and he got real sick. So we're, but we're going to get to him. Don't worry about that. He's, he's coming. Uh, and so we'll, we'll have that. The athletic football show. Uh, I, I know you guys are probably subscribed to it. If you're not, you should really be checking it out. They have a really great conversation about wide receivers in this draft, specifically the way the philosophy of how the league maybe should be viewing smaller receivers. Very relevant to the Bengals discussion. It's at the 19 minute mark of the athletic football show. Check that out. Uh, Jay, you mentioned mock draft mailbag. If people still want to get those in, hurry up and get them in. Jay's spreadsheet is getting full. Um, let's let's do this let's there's there's not a ton of news stuff that we could we'll get to as we go through the show nothing pressing uh that much i i don't think we mentioned the refiling of the mix in charge last week maybe we did honestly no, it I don't happened remember. friday it happened friday yeah. um that was sort of something that you knew could be coming did come and so now more waiting uh, to see how that will play out with Joe Mixon, whether they will be a settle, whether it shows up in court. But yeah, refiling of the charges on Joe Mixon, that situation continues to be in flux on, off the field, in the contract. Everybody loves talking about Joe Mixon because the story has been kind of the gift that keeps on giving anymore. It just seems like there's always some new piece of news uh, with Joe Mixon, but we've talked about that ad nauseum, so we won't dive too much more in it um we've heard we'll get i want i'll get to the t higgins chatter later and that's out there um it's still a lot of nothing certainly nothing confirmed at all at this point uh so we'll we'll kind of dive into a little bit of the rumors as we go through uh the team will be back in the building next week so we'll keep an eye out for uh that we'll be back in the building as well uh and so all that to come uh let's let's get to brandon thorne let's let's get to uh why people are here for the trenches talk trenches talk offensive line play specifically the opening at right tackle and not just that what who's going to fill it and who's going to be playing tackle for this team and what the what how this all fits together in the big puzzle of the bengals uh starting five all right here is my interview with uh brandon thorne of trench warfare i i hope that you uh consider subscribing to his newsletter because it's awesome stuff if you're into this world his film room stuff that he does with all those prospects fantastic uh here's my interview with brandon thorne Brandon Thorne, you you might know him from the Trench Warfare newsletter. You should be uh, subscribed to that. O-Line Masterminds, Establish the Run, Bleacher Report Scouting Department, really does it all. Anything offensive line in particular when you get to draft season, this is a guy that you want to talk to and you've probably known or seen him follow on Twitter. Brandon, what's going on? Not too much. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to talk some line play. Let's talk some line play. Bengals fans love to do this, and specifically right now, um, you know, they've made a lot of moves here uh, in the last couple of years to solidify things, but it's it's left still more meat on the bone a little bit. Um, I want to before we start getting into prospects, before we start talking about players, I want to talk about a concept that I see spoken about often, uh, and that is the idea of I'll just move them to the other side in regards to Jonah Williams. And obviously, a lot's out there about the Orlando Brown move and what that means for Jonah potentially having to move to the right side, requesting a trade, all of that. How difficult is that to just ask a player who's played left tackle most of his life to just move to the other side? 
Yeah, it really, I think, is a case-by-case basis, and it depends on the player. I think generally it is usually pretty difficult, but I've heard some guys say it, it's you know not as difficult. It, I've heard different varying answers, but I'd say the overarching theme is like, yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult, and people equate it to you know, maybe writing with the opposite hand, you know, and just, it just takes time to kind of get used to that. Um, so awkward at first, you know, and it just, it just takes reps, you know, basically, um, in Jonah's case in particular, it's nice that he has done it, even though it's been several years. Um, you know, it'd probably be a little bit more difficult if a guy had had never done it before. Um, but yeah, it still is it's a transition um i think the sooner you make that decision the better though just to give guys time you know to get into the stance um and just to kind of realign their body you know in that way and just and rep it out you know over a full off season things like that what did you think of his play last year i mean a lot was kind of made was it a regression was the talk of that overblown what did you think about his his fourth year yeah, I definitely think there was a regression there. Um, you know, I think he was trending in a totally different direction the prior two years. And, uh, you know, especially last year, I thought he kind of put it all together. And after missing that rookie year with the labrum, I think it was, and then, you know, uh, just getting to play, what was it like, you know, 10 games or so, and then he played a full season. And yeah, you know, I was, uh, you know, pretty high on what he did last year. Um, and then this year, just you know, I don't know if it was, you know, I know he was dealing with a knee injury and I don't know if that compounded things, but uh, yeah, just um, just did not look like uh, what he did the prior two years. I don't think much more inconsistent. Um, we all know kind of his struggles with the spin move uh, that he had, especially against Alex Highsmith from the Steelers. And then just overall, just anchoring ability wasn't there. It didn't look like his base was really under him. In uh, whether that was confidence or a lack of confidence in it, or just like uh, you know, not as much strength uh, there, it just he just didn't look that good. I don't think so. Yeah, certainly regression, and uh, you know, it's kind of difficult to nail down the reasons for that. But but I think it was evident when you watched the film. That's the challenging part of this is now you're taking somebody who's already dealing with a lot coming off a regression year that they got a lot to try to prove um, contract year. Uh, and then to ask them to move sides, you're just asking, even, even if it does work out and he does come back and, and go compete at right tackle and see what happens there, you know, to me, there's, especially that side, there's no guarantees at all that he's going to go over to the side, that side, and you're going to be comfortable with how successful he could be. It's just, it's, there's a lot being asked of him. If you, even if that does end up being the case. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a tough spot to be in for him. Um, you know, I, I think uh, there's probably a decent chance that if he, you know, were to be okay with the decision and decide, like you said, to go compete a right tackle, I think there's probably a pretty good chance, at least a 50-50 chance that you'd have a, you know, a functional to to solid starting right tackle. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that remains to be seen. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he can get the opportunity to play left elsewhere and or whatnot. But you know, I don't think all hope is lost with him still kind of reclaiming the prior two seasons, especially last year. I think that's still possible. But now with the Bengals kind of moving on, you know, it's probably going to have to be at a different position or elsewhere. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough spot. It's crazy how fast things change in the NFL. One more quick one before we talk about some prospects. What, what, what do you, what's your view of Orlando Brown as a left tackle? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've 
I think I've felt the same way about him for, for a while now. I think he's an above average starter, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think he's really an above average to very good run blocker um, ever since his Oklahoma days, really. Uh, and then pass protection is is a little bit more hit or miss. Um, I will say I think he plays to his strengths really well in pass protection when I watch him. Um, and what I mean by that is he plays inside out on pass rushers well. He knows how to utilize his size to advantage to to his advantage and make guys go around him. Um, uh, however, I do think he plays with a little bit of a short corner, meaning guys, you know, can kind of get around and edge him, you know, a little a little more easily than you would like from a typical franchise left tackle. But you can live with that with the, his other strengths, his ability to anchor, set a firm pocket. Guys aren't going to go through him, um, and they're probably not going to go inside of him. So at least you kind of know what you're getting. You know how to work around it, game plan around it, and adjust accordingly. Um, so there's a lot of there, there's a high reliability factor uh, with Orlando Brown, b- both in terms of skill set and durability. And I think that is just extremely valuable left tackle. So, yeah. well, it, and I think it's you know it's important to start with that when talking about where the Bengals might go when we potentially drafting a right tackle, whether at 28 or, I mean, maybe even at, at 60, because that's the type of player they're looking for now. When they switched over to the gap downhill gun run scheme last year, it was give, they're saying, look, all your big people movers, let's go, bring them here. Let's just be, let's be that. And in yep. protection, be this firm, hold the pocket. Maybe you get beat around the edge, but Burrow can handle that as long as he's got space. And that's been really at every turn, whether it was Karis Kappa, even Volson, who's a big dude. uh, And now with Brown, the only thing it's missing is now to have the right tackle that fits in that. So I guess when you, when we look at these prospects, Mm -hmm. who it could be at right tackle, is there somebody you see that would be there at 28 that fits that skill set where it's like, hey, the bigger, more powerful, firm pocket type of guy? Yeah, absolutely. There's a guy who's glaring here. That's Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I compared him when I wrote a scouting report in January to uh, Leo Collins. Mm-hmm. So uh, just kind of a natural fit there in, in several ways. Um, but yeah, he's, I think, the most powerful offensive lineman in the class. Um, you know, he may be gone before this at this point. I think the hype is is pretty high on him. Uh, so he may not even be there. But if he were to be there, I think that's a no-brainer for Cincinnati in terms of style. Stylistic fit is just perfect. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the guy I think they're looking for. So yeah, Darnell Wright is like, you know, head and shoulders, I think, uh, the guy there. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You had, I, b- I believe you said that you had four guys with kind of pure round one grades. Yeah. Uh, is that Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Peter Skronsky, and Darnell Wright? All that's the big yep. four at this point. That's I mean, it. That, that's it. I mean, that when you're picking 28, like it, you're going to have to deal with warts. You, those guys, those four, I mean, the odds of any of those four making it to the back of the first round are some, probably somewhere between. Slim and none, I guess. Maybe, like you said, maybe right just because he's kind of a, you know, I guess more of a pure right tackle and has the one real true year doing it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that would probably be my guess for the the last one drafted of those guys. But I don't know. I mean, it seems like the NFL really likes him based on mm. different chatter you you see and, and hear from respected guys, you know, that are plugged in. So but if I had to make a bet, I, I still would probably go that route. I think Broderick Jones is the most raw of those guys, but he's extremely talented. The physical tools are, you know, evident and uh, he's very young as well. All these guys are young, actually. Um, those tackles that you mentioned are all 21 years old. Uh, so that's that's also a nice kind of, you know, part of their evaluation. There's a long runway to get better. Um, but yeah, Darnell Wright is, is certainly the best fit in like a gap style scheme. He tested a little bit better than he plays in terms of movement and athletic ability, I think. Uh, but it's still definitely solid. You know, it's just I wouldn't call him, you know, like a plus kind of athlete, but he's fine. But he's extremely powerful. He's physical. He has really good balance as well. Um, and yeah, I I like him a lot. I I have a late first round grade on him. Um, but you know, a late first round grade offensive line, offensive line grade is typically a guy who gets drafted middle of the first, just yeah. that natural bump. And you did a, a like a film review with with Darnell, right? On, yeah. on which people should check that. Make sure you check that out if you want to learn more about Darnell. Make sure you check that out uh, mm-hmm. on Brandon's site. Um, let's talk about the next tier. That's maybe a more realistic possibility, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. I hate to say it, but let's be honest. I mean, it, is it? Anton Harrison, Dewan Jones, uh, other names in that space. Yeah, for me, Anton Harrison is yeah. uh, is the next guy. Uh, he's my fourth tackle in in the draft, and you know I have a high second round grade on him, which may mean late first. You know, in terms of how the NFL sees it, um, but you know I think the adjustment period for him is going to be a little bit more stark than the other guys in terms of what he was or wasn't asked to do in pass protection in Oklahoma, heavy RPO scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just quick, quick passes, uh, in the big 12, you know, decent competition, but a lot of like three man fronts, uh, he wasn't really challenged a whole lot in pass protection. So that, you know, will be a little bit of an adjustment period, a learning curve there for him. But I certainly think he has a physical choice to, to do that over time. And he's a strong run blocker. I think, uh, very young as well. Um, he, he could be a guy he's only played left, I think at Oklahoma, but, He's a guy I think who would make some sense at right um, at 28, and uh, yeah, Dewan Jones would be my fifth tackle. He's you know 
he's a kind of a polarizing guy. I did a film room with him as well. Uh, and Anton Harrison, but, but, uh, Dewan, you know, it, it would just be so cool. I think for Cincinnati to get him just to have him and Orlando Brown on the same <laughs> offensive line. Cause you know, both six, eight, three seventy five, you know, kind of guys, uh, you know, just be crazy to see. And I think he fits, you know, just in terms of the, the size profile that they've probably would and then some would want at that position uh he's also very young definitely a lot of uh i think there's a bust potential here um for sure but at the same time there's a lot of upside uh as well it just i think so much of his evaluation is going to come down to the things that i don't have total access to in terms of you know decision making and uh, how committed is he not that i'm questioning that but those are the things I'd really want to know about Dewan Jones to feel good about taking him at 28 because I have like a middle to late second round grade on him. And that's that's as high as I'd be willing to go unless I knew this guy was like, you know, just checked all the boxes in every way uh, away from the film. So but yeah, because his technique is up and down. Uh, he He isn't a great mover. Um, he ran the 40 and that was OK. You know, I think at his size, maybe a little bit more than OK, but. Um, you know, just there, there's some question marks here, but unique size and he has flashes of it all sinking and coming together technique wise, even they're just flashes, but some stuff on film that is really encouraging and kind of reminiscent of Trent Brown, uh, more so than Orlando Brown. He's a little mm-hmm. bit more, he has a little bit more finesse to his game than Orlando does. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's intriguing, man. I, I think Cincinnati would be one of the select few teams. I think that'll actually make a lot of sense for him. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned the Trent. It's all like, is he too big, right? I mean, is it like, can you be that big and and handle the the speed that comes off the edge and handle the, these freaks that are going to be bending? I mean, the, the people that you're going to see, uh, you know, TJ Watt, whatever. I mean, if you can't move enough, I mean, is that a con- is that a concern? That as part of the transition of look, he may have all the length in the world, but at a certain point, if you reach and there's no one there. Uh, it's not good, right? Yeah, that's the kind of the dichotomy here with with all these big guys, you know, who don't move that well. It's how much can your length mitigate the inability to move, you know, very mm-hmm. efficiently, very quickly. It's, you know, and, and when you watch him on film, there's, you know, last year, 2021, I mean, was very rough, very up and down. It was first year, you know, obviously, you know, playing former basketball player um, as well. Uh, so he, I don't think he's been playing football a whole lot, you know, and like not his whole life or anything like that. He's more of a basketball guy. So he is very young and raw, but I think you did see improvement, um, from 22 to 21. Um, uh, part of that was probably a little bit less, you know, competition that he saw compared to 21. You know, the Aiden Hutchinson game was, was pretty rough. Um, but this season was better. He, he was doing more, you know, kind of nuanced things and pass protections with his hands, getting to his spot a little bit more consistently. Um, he's pretty light on his feet initially. It's just, you know, sudden redirection and change of direction is obviously not going to be a strong suit at 380 pounds. So, um, yeah, I, I do think he uses his length well. Um, but again, it just he needs to kind of refine it a little bit more. And it's possible I could see him being a long term, long term starter. It just uh, like I said, so much of his questions are how much better is he going to be willing to to get, you know, and what kind of spot he goes to. I think those yeah. things are huge for him. Yeah. And you wonder because he is going to be very scheme specific. 
if that does move him a long way down the board. You know, like could that ship him down deeper into the second round just because people are just, like you said, scared of that size, saying, well, there's no way if I'm going to be running outside zone or whatever, like so many teams do, that they can be out here trotting out to Juan Jones at tackle. If Heck, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't really thought that you could maybe see him at 60, but I guess you never know. You never know when the guy who is kind of, like you said, a polarizing prospect like that. That would be great for him, honestly. I mean, not yeah. for his wallet, obviously, but <laughs> um, in terms of his, you know, earning power long term, even, I think that would probably be the best thing for him to go to a team later, you know, kind of you know, normalize those expectations a little bit and go mm-hmm. to maybe a better spot for him, that would probably be the best thing for him. If the Bengals can get him at 60, that'd be one of the ideal spots, I think. But certainly compared to others, he'd be a more of an adjustment where day one, week one, isn't exactly, you'd be ner- very nervous about him out there at right tackle, I'd imagine. If you're talking about yeah, rookie year, yeah, week I, one, I mean, it's, it's a, that's a big projection. You can say that for a lot of guys probably there in any class, but for someone like that, maybe that's part of it too. Yeah, I mean, I have him with the middle to late second round grade. That's a potential, you know, starter for us and our grading skills. So it's, you know, it's not crazy, but yeah, there would be some concern there. And yeah, I mean, you'd want him go to go to the right spot, certainly. And I think Cincinnati, you know, is probably one of the better ones because of their stylistic, you know, preferences and then their scheme as well. Who further down the line? You know, when we get into this day two, even maybe even day three, do you see that would fit this, you know, what the Bengals are looking for uh, in terms of a right tackle? Yeah, I mean, as with the I've done the last two drafts for Bleach Report, this is my third one, uh, scouting all offensive linemen. And the case pretty much every year, I mean, offensive tackle thins out quick. Yep. Uh, you know, if you're if, if you want one, you need to get one early. So. Uh, the supply and demand is just very <laughs> one-sided <laughs> here, but there is there's one guy that comes to mind. You know, maybe at sixty, or even a little bit later, and that's Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. I actually think he's a better projection inside, but he played left tackle um, at Syracuse, and he got a lot better over the course of his career. He's a better run blocker than pass blocker. Strong, powerful guy. Uh, very physical. He certainly fits the stylistic uh, preferences that the Bengals want. I think he'd be a good scheme fit as well. And if he is going to stay a tackle, I'd want him to do it in a scheme like Cincinnati. Um, so yeah, that's that's one I'll throw out there, Matthew Bergeron. And then, you know, other than that, it's yeah, maybe Tyler Steen. That's another possibility. Alabama mm-hmm. left tackle. Um, I st- I think he could be a swing tackle year one. Uh, I don't know if you'd want him starting, but, you know, I have a kind of like a fourth round grade on him, which is a potential role player swing tackle, basically, who could develop into a starter. Um, it wouldn't be insane to, you know, have him start early on in the season, but uh, he has a lot of technical stuff, I think, to clean up and pass protection in particular, but big, strong, physical, better run blocker than pass blocker. Uh, you know, he fits, you know, as well, I think some of the things that they would want. Those are probably the two that I've seen. I still have some guys to watch, but uh, after that, you're just going later into the draft and they're more developmental guys, you know, but there are guys that we can go into if you want, but, you know, just maybe not day one starter types. Yeah. You know, there is a, there, it's always, it's always funny when you look, every team 
every team's fans, I think, despise their right tackle. Like, I, it's, <laughs> it's there's just a not thin position. It's a thin yeah. position, and you look there's how many good ones are there really in the league, and fans get frustrated. Like they have something that's that is just well worse than everyone. I'm like, look, everyone has struggles. Uh, with tackle play on both sides, but particularly, you know, it seems like on the right side too. And uh, and teams take advantage of that. And that's just what the league is right now. And part of why mobile quarterbacks are so successful because, uh, you know, there's just there's just not enough quality offensive linemen to keep up with the freak shows that are that are coming off the other side. Exactly. Yeah, it's been that way for as long as I've been studying the game, you know, close to 10 years, eight, nine years or so. The defensive line is just loaded you know the if you're big and talented it's like a it's like a trickle up effect you know when you start playing football if you're big and talented chances are you're going to play on the defensive line there's more acclaim there there's more notoriety you have statistics you have you know you get to use more of your raw talent you're moving forward every snap offensive line is much more technical and kind of misunderstood uh you got to move backwards and it's awkward and you know, nobody wants to play offensive line typically because it it just there's there's a lot about it that it's just kind of hard to 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 get good at and get good at understanding. You know, so it, it it's just the way it is. I mean, most of the talented big guys play defensive line, and um, yeah, it's I always kind of joke and envision like I would love to see some of these super talented defensive line play offensive line and like get good at it, like Fletcher Cox or something as a guard, right. that would just be insane, you know, but <laughs> every once in a while we get some guys like that, but it's yeah. Few and far between. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, I appreciate the time. I hope people are checking out the trench warfare newsletter and those film rooms, uh, can they be found? Where can, where can everybody find the film rooms at? Yeah. Yeah. On the newsletter, you can sign up there. I uh, have nine of them so far with, you know, pretty much all, you know, round one, two, three picks. Um, hopefully going to do a couple more, but yeah, um, the last three years I've been able to do those and they've been a lot of fun and yeah. So hopefully I'll have a couple more for people as well. Fantastic stuff, especially for Bengals fans that are uh, want to get a little more insight into who could potentially be coming off the board to them and be the next piece, the final piece to help protect Joe Burrow. Everyone wants so much to see. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having thank me. You. All right, let's just take a quick break. All right, great chatting with Brandon Thorne, Jay. Um, takeaways for you? Uh, yeah, I wrote down two. Um, the first 50, 50 chance he'd be a functional to solid starting right tackle. That mm. is not a ringing endorsement for Jonah Williams. Um, and, and he was, he was pretty open about the, the, the backslide, the regression that he saw last year. Um, so I thought that was interesting. The other thing that I'm sure sent alarm bells blaring, uh, to a lot of the, the Bengal fans that, you talked about that are so into O-line play and know what this O-line has been was the quote bust potential for sure for mm-hmm. Dewan Jones that, sure. I mean, he's not saying he's going to be one, but he, you, he could see that. And I, I do wonder, you know, is that where you, you could live with that risk at 60, but not 28 and how the Bengals would see that. And, um, you know, is, is he a reach at 28? Um, but I, anytime the word bust comes up when you're talking about an O-line prospect, comes up before the draft even happens, I, I think that's, especially when it comes from someone with, with the expertise of Brandon, I, I think that's something that that just 
makes your ears perk up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you got, I mean, it's, it's going to be a part of it. I want to start the re, the reaction conversation here with this is that I get queasy because I've covered this team for a long time with selecting offensive linemen with premium picks. I, I just, there's just not a lot of history of it going well. And I think, you know, you, you can't, you can't let your past failures determine your future. You know, you can't pass on Logan Wilson because you have whiffed over and over again on third round linebackers. You can't, you know, you can't just say, well, this hasn't worked before, so it can never work. I, I don't, I don't think that's fair, but I also do think it's fair to to look at the history of this team and and and, and understand and and what they need and and look they they need to win now. This is a team that can win the Super Bowl this year without a shadow of a doubt. Okay, so the idea of taking a rip uh, at something that has not historically gone well. That, that could backfire, and that probably even the best, I mean, let's talk about the best offensive tackle selections um, in recent years don't go well in the first year often, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're opening yourself up. You have options over there still. You have other ways you can fill in those gaps. A first-round pick does not mean that you're playing that guy immediately, and perhaps that's a better way to view it but I certainly hope that people are not thinking that, look, you take a guy at 28 and that dude is definitely the starter immediately. I think he's still part of a combo plan this year with his eye towards the long term. And maybe as you get halfway through the season, you're really comfortable with him. I just, that all makes me queasy when you start counting on late round offensive mm-hmm. linemen. Um, to show up and and be guys for teams that have Super Bowl aspirations, and, and you know what it 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 kind of makes me rethink because I think we were both kind of on of the mindset that if they got their right tackle at twenty eight, then that puts into a play a Jonah trade right there in the draft for for picks and and maybe that's not the way to go. You where you, you need to get this guy in and see what he is and it would be later in camp before you feel more comfortable. I mean, it's like Katie said, yes, they hear Jonah. Um they they know what he's saying, but he he's under contract. They need him. They need that depth and just because you draft a guy at 28 doesn't mean that's the answer. We're going to plug and play and and let's go. I think you do need to have plan B, plan C even, uh, when you're talking about that, that right tackle spot, because it is, it's such a, a crucial piece to getting this team over the hump, not having that one weak link on the O-line. And maybe it, maybe it's still a weak link. Maybe you have three options there and they're all the same. They're all C minus who knows, but you need to, you need to get them into camp, throw them into the mix, let them battle it out and see where it goes from there. And I, I just, I would now be surprised if they dealt Jonah during the draft. Yeah, I mean, I still think that's in play. But yeah, I, I you know, there's, it's le- it's not necessarily a likely one. I still think that's right. in play for something you could do. Because, again, this depends on their view. I mean, they may feel that a lot of these guys are coming in ready to roll. And mm-hmm. maybe they don't. I, I 
you still have others that could step in over there. You still have Carmen who could be part of the mix. You still have Collins who could be potentially part of the mix. I, I don't know that I would bet on that, but he's he's here. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's in Cincinnati and he's going to be in the rehab. And I just think you feel like you have enough things you can throw at that. We we see the Bills handle the line this way in recent years. We're and now they've taken a lot of pieces that have questions around them and thrown it all out there and said one of these things is going to stick and it's going to all be solid and the Bengals are just doing that at one position the Bills have kind of done that at multiple positions and they've seen it work out in in a large part Um, I think the Bengals are still in a good place at that position I don't think they feel forced to take it as you mentioned in the top you know and I had in the trends draft of of them not because if it doesn't come to them if if the guy they want doesn't come to them, if it's not sitting there, there's just no reason to force. You do have Jonah. You do have Collins. You do have Carmen. Um, you do have veterans out there uh, that you could get to plug in in a temporary structure and, and try to go see that if they'd be willing to sign up and come play. I mean, there's. I just think that there's options um, that are there besides just oh. Man, got, just got to take somebody at 20. I don't think there's a force there. Um, let's take a little bit more of a look at some of the the guys um, in specific. Because there's something, there's something I want to touch on here that I think is important um, in regards to what Brandon said. And there was a player that he mentioned as the this perf, the per, the fit, right? The, the I know who that is, right? Darnell Wright, mm-hmm. okay, uh, of Tennessee, who notably going after a friend of the program, Willie Lutz, yesterday in the DMs. <laughs> it was like this whole Twitter thing. Uh, a D word was used, and then clearly someone was like, bro, you're going to cost yourself millions of dollars. You should yes. probably go like mend that fence and publicly fix that uh, so you don't come off as some sort of dude who's going to go off on Twitter in his rookie year. <laughs> um, whatever. I don't really care about any of that stuff necessarily. Uh, it's not the greatest look, but who? I'm, I, it's whatever. Um, here's the thing. I, I I don't get the impression that he is the best Bengals fit. I don't. I don't. I don't get that impression. Um, th- there's one thing that matters, and I think we've gotten all caught up in Orlando Brown and gap scheme and big giant men and power. And I think we've forgotten what really is number one. What's number one is, can you pass protect number nine? (laughs) Okay. First, foremost, most importantly, can you pass protect number nine for five years in this case or four years? Can you do that? Can you do that at a high level? Okay, that's what this is about. Okay, that's who this team is. This team throws. They throw with nine. They throw to their star receivers. And that's who they want to be. So if you're going to come play right tackle for the Bengals, being able to plow downhill in the gap scheme and being a certain size and all that stuff, I, I think there are reasons to see why they would pick certain guys over others, which we've discussed in the past. But the trait that matters most, the trait that needs to be reminded, everyone needs to be reminded of is they're going to want the best pass-protecting right tackle because that's who they are. 
So who is that if it's not Darnell Wright in your mind? Of the because it's not going to be the top three. It's it's not going to be Jones or Paris Johnson or Skoronek. Skoronsky. You know, I'll say this. I mean, I I don't know. One of those guys could fall. I think you know the the scuttle. We've now reached the everyone's going to be surprised season, where I don't think I do expect. You know, everybody I talk to is like, yeah, I think you have some feel for the early portion of the draft. Um, but like we mentioned with Ryan Wilson, everything after that feels really wide open, like a real mess. We heard Greg Seaman talk last week about, you know, you just get to this point where 25 looks just like 45 and mm-hmm. boards for teams with 45 have is your number 25. And that all ends up looking the same. And, that, and I think that goes even maybe even further up this year. Um, and, and I just I do think that you don't know that it's more than likely. Because there's only like what five, six tackles that are real. Um, those guys are probably going to go early. More than likely, all the running backs and the tight ends and the receivers are going to push back because there's a lot of them and they're devalued positions. Right. So yeah, I ex- I don't expect those guys to fall, but I do. You don't. You don't know. More than likely, you you do not see those guys fall. You probably are looking at. Anton Harrison, you're talking about DeWan Jones, you're talking about Matt Bergeron. I I think Harrison has the highest upside as a pass protector. I think he, if you're just looking at that, and I have, you know, pass block grades of these guys last year are all about the same. Broderick Jones, 84.1. Anton Harrison, 83.3. DeWan Jones, 82.6. Matt Bergeron from Syracuse, 80.9. Darnell Wright, 80.2. PFF expressing a very big concern with foot balance with Wright. Um, one year doing it. There's con- there's more concern, some concerns there. Anton Harrison is the guy that makes it look easy. He needs to be stronger. To me, core strength and things like that is something that you can yeah. improve. Hit the weight room, work on that, and get better. So I think, to me, I talk who that is. He might be the guy, if you're talking about, number one trait they're looking at. I mean, that almost happens by accident where they get stronger. It's just going from playing football in school to doing it as your job and the the strength and conditioning departments that these teams have. They're, I mean, they're going to get bigger and stronger just without even that much effort. And if they really commit to it, you, you can see that take a big leap. I wonder, so if Harrison's not there at 28, if he's already gone, how likely is a trade back? Well, I mean, this is a scenario that's sort of been playing in the head. And I don't think this is strictly – I don't think this is about right tackle. I think this is about a big pool. board. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is about um, the guys we're going to talk about later in the show on the defensive line. This is about the corners, the the few corners, those anarumo fits that I, did, that I described um, in the trends piece where they're talking about, you know, Deontay Banks we're talking about. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes, we're talking about, you know, guys that seem to be that real fit. Um, I think it's certainly, it makes sense. What did we, what have we been saying, Jay? This draft for the Bengals feels like it needs another pick. Yeah. (laughs) For what they want to accomplish, for what they need. I don't think they need 28 if one, if they don't get a faller. 
I don't think they need to just take to take there. I think their 25 to 45 probably is similar. I think they'll be sitting there with a bucket of dudes with B plus, you know, with two, two A's, two B's grades and a big bucket of those guys and staring at them all looking the same. Does anybody want to come up? And for what? Maybe that's the question. Would they want to go back? Sure. Does anybody want to come up? And do you, are you willing to give up the fifth-year option for that? Um, also a part of, of the move-back situation. So I, it's, it, all of that stuff comes into play. I think that's something that, sure, it, it feels like the best way to accomplish something that I think they do need. They could use another third-round pick in this draft to really feel complete or an early four to really feel complete in everything that they're trying to accomplish with tight end, running back, receiver, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, certainly I think they'd be in that. That's got to be a part of the uh, the options. Where does it rank right now? I don't know. I think they're still talking through that. Yeah, but you're right because there is, I mean, there's going to be, there's no way that all those corners, all those D linemen, all those O linemen are going to be gone by the time they, where they're just going to be left I mean, there's gonna, still going to be guys, but I I would think they would be comfortable trading back anywhere from five to ten spots and, and feeling like they could still get a guy that was right there in that, like you said, the 25-45 range that someone that fills a need and a target they want. Um, it's interesting. I think the reason that I'm seeing so many trades in the mock draft mailbag is because I took Darnell Wright off the table because he was at 24 and I said, you can't pick anybody in Dane's top 24. And people were like, well, screw it. They actually followed the rules. They said, well, if I can't pick him, then this is the way to go. I don't, I don't know that the Bengals would do that, but um, it does it not just based on a single player, but it does seem like it's, it's really in play to get that extra third. Maybe a team's willing, has a comp pick late in the third round and they're willing to give that sure. up to the Bengals. Um, it, that would, that would hit them just right um so yeah i that's and it would fit a model i mean it would kind mm-hmm. of be like their their second round trade backs that they would do when they were picking more towards the top of the second round yeah i just we've not we, you know we discussed it last year a lot about the concept of trading out of the first round uh and, and whether they'd be willing to you know something like a dax hill falling into their lap or nearly Karloftis last year you know they're going to stick for that but you know moving back it, it's it's something they like to do mm-hmm. it's something duke wants he wants more picks he desires more picks and if he sees eight guys in that bucket his 2a 2b bucket and he can move back eight picks and gain a third He's going to do that in a heartbeat, I would think. But we don't really know a ton about their feelings on losing that fifth-year option. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes in, in into that conversation. I want to. I, I do want to make sure we're touching on later rounds here, though, mm-hmm. Jay. I mentioned something, you know, in the in the trends mock that you know we spend a lot of time uh, fixating on the first round pick when when this draft is inevitably going to be defined by everything else as well. Um, and the Bengals have done this. Now they're not alone. Most teams take day three offensive linemen. It's pretty standard stuff. There's, it's what you do, but seven straight drafts. They've taken an offensive lineman, at least one offensive lineman after pick one thirty five overall. So day three or, you know, mid day three, uh, that one thirty five is about early, early to mid fourth. 
around the Volson mm-hmm. pick. And so you're, you, it's going to happen, right? I mean, it just, it's, if, if, it's odd. This isn't roulette, right, Jay? Like yeah. where every spin is a new spin. Seven times in a row doing something suggests you could see it again, especially, look, they need depth help. They want people to come in and compete on the back end at guard and center. Trey Hill, like, how confident are you on that? I mean, you could very easily someone to come in and try to supplant Trey Hill as the backup center and give you mm-hmm. something there or, or or any of those guard spots. Um, so I, I expect to see that. Jay, you got stats on that. I do. So you mentioned it, you know, seven, t- seven years in a row. I, I wonder, I went beyond Bengals and, and NFL wide, how many offensive line when we're, we're taken with pick one th- 35 or later. And I'm talking, I'm talking about rookies. I'm just talking about of all the O linemen last year that started at least nine games for their teams, more than half, how many of them. And, and you're talking about 32 teams, five spots, 160 spots there. Uh, how many of them were taken at pick 135 or later? What what would you guess that number would be? I have no idea. <laughs> how many were taken at 135? I have I have no earthly idea. It's almost a third. 48. Really? O, o, starting o, or 48 O linemen who started at least nine other teams' games. Now, the, and it's not. I, I thought, well, okay, well, maybe it's just all the bad teams that are forced into starting. It's not really the case. 18 of those 48 were on playoff teams. Hmm. Eight were on the final four teams, three of those being Bengal players, Ted Karras, Cordell Volson, and Collins, which obviously the Bengals didn't draft them, but they were guys that came into the league as either undrafted Collins for other reasons, yeah. but guys that were undrafted or pick 135 or later. And last year, I was like, okay, maybe that was an anomaly, but no, in 2021, 51 guys did it 24 were on playoff teams uh including six on the final four teams again three Bengals and quentin spain trey hopkins and hakeem adenogy uh in, in 2020 same thing 53 players 21 of them from playoff teams two Bengals, bobby hart and michael jordan and then in 2019 55 linemen and 15 of them were on playoff teams so while it, it, it's a risk it's it's a long shot to, to get a guy, it's not unheard of. I mean, there are, there are a lot of guys out there that go 135 or later that develop into starting caliber O linemen in this league. And when you've when you've got quality guys in the room to bring those a youngster like that along, like the Bengals do now with the leadership they have on that O line, and you have a well respected offensive line coach like Frank, I mean, you can see that it's not it's not maybe not going to be an immediate fix. But you can get a guy there and groom him, and in a year or two, he could be a key a key piece of this offensive line. No question, no question. Especially at offensive line, mm-hmm. you see guys come into the league, learn technique by a real coach, learn how to use their physical traits, and figure it out. And be and and I mean, especially in the interior offensive line, yep. man. Like though those guys are found, and those guys are developed more so than drafted and, and placed. Um, and and you, you have to constantly be churning that in the background at guard and at center, which is what they've you know, essentially been, been doing. I mean, the guys like 
Trey Hill, like Adeniji kind of was supposed to be too. He's been more forced into action than I'm sure they're comfortable with. Um, but these these types of guys that they've been taking, you take them, you see what happens. They're they're lottery tickets in a lot of ways. You're just yeah. you're hoping to work these guys in the background, and that maybe that something clicks for them. They figure something out. You got to keep doing that. Um, you know, poking around on who that could be, who. The hell knows. I mean, last year, you know, we heard about, you know, the reason they loved Cordell Volson. And, you know, Cordell Volson, when he was selected in the fourth round, was, you know, a sixth on Dane's board. A lot of people had him as a much later guy. They loved him because they loved the makeup. They loved, you know, his the way they thought that you could get the most out of him. We mentioned the the tests that they give that have been um conducive that it's really predictive uh, of getting the most out of offensive linemen uh, that they utilized there you can go back and read those stories from last year uh, that 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 turned them on to Volson confirmed some of their thoughts on Volson mm-hmm. and why he was so far up on their board I'm sure they'll have guys like that again I'm, I'm sure that they will have yeah. targets to sit here and know exactly who that will be hard to tell I, I suspect at some point Though there will be one. I mentioned TJ Bass from Oregon on here. I mean, I pick a guy because you go through Dane on the Beast and says, look, he he gap scheme, rotational guard, awareness, fierce finisher, doesn't play complacent. Sounds very glass eatery to me, right? I mean, that's <laughs> as you go through that, you're looking. I, I think center though. I I I mean the, the clock is ticking on Trey Hill. Uh, the clock is ticking on competition there. Uh, I do think somebody in a, in a draft that does have some centers later, uh, that people do like some of the depth at center, does seem like a spot where you could see one of those late-round picks focusing. I think that's the only place you're going to get us. Not the only place, but it, I, I found it was interesting in the Beast. Dane only had 10 centers in the entire dra- draft class with, mm-hmm. with draft grades. And he only had six guards with a grade of better than the fourth round. So, um you know, I, I I almost think that if if they're gonna take a flyer, it, it maybe it is the the situation that you came up with in the in the trend mock where they don't they don't go tackle first or second round, and then they get a they get a tackle. They're they're comfortable with with Carmen, Jonah, Collins, whatever they've got now. Um, a, a guy that kind of piqued my interest, uh, Blake Freeland from BYU, sure, um, six seven, one of those big guys that they that they like the size. And then you look at the negatives on him, and it's about technique and recognition and things that that can be fixed in the NFL with with NFL coaching with Frank Pollock talking to him. And then the other thing, he's he's only he's six seven, but he's only three oh two. But he's he's a guy that he he can put on weight. He will put on weight. These guys all put on weight when they come into the league. Um, and the, Dane had it in the beast. It isn't. He had two false starts and zero holds. I mean, that's that's remarkable for for a tackle. The one red flag that I saw with he didn't bench at the combine, and I don't know why. And what you don't see very many offensive linemen not bench at the combine. Um, so that that's maybe a question to be answered. But uh, he's one of those late round, like you mentioned, lottery picks where he could really develop into something. Yeah, uh, you. I mean, that's all that is. I mean, we saw it with Deontay Smith. A couple mm-hmm. of years ago, it's like, okay, project, but all the traits. You're you're picking the guys with the traits. Long arms, athletic, yep. raw, right? That's that's who that's what that is. 
um, in that part. I, you know, there are examples. It, it happens specifically more at, at right tackle than left tackle. I mean, there, mm-hmm. I just feel like there's there's different traits that you're trying to develop. That said, I just think you're much more looking at interior future there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and remember, their future in the star, as among starters is set pretty well. I mean, Karras is the one who's getting longer in the tooth. Kappa, three years to go. Volson, three years to go. Brown, four years to go. Whatever's going to happen at right tackle, we discussed. I mean, center, Karras getting older. Is Trey Hill really the answer? Um, you know, maybe in 2020, what year is it? <laughs> 2020, maybe by a uh, center who by 2025, you're like, could be a guy or earlier. Yeah. Uh, could come in and impress you, unseat Trey Hill this year, and maybe be able to unseat Ted Karras next year or something like that. I, don't, yeah. I am the last thing I'm doing is wishing Ted Karras out of town. Trust me, no, I'm just yeah, saying no. you're always thinking like that as a team. Anybody who has is getting towards the end of a contract is getting further up there in years. You're always thinking about the next level. So something to think about there, for sure. Also something to think about. Getting to see Mo Ager again. Exciting. <laughs> My friend and your Mo, what's up? Welcome back. It's good to be here. It's been a while. It I has you been guys. a while. And yeah. you're back, you're back in the the basement headquarters. I yes. feel like it's been a while since we've talked. It's been a while since we've been in the basement headquarters. I feel like you probably have new memorabilia behind you. Uh I have a Knicks Rockets 1994 NBA Finals hat that somebody gave me that I just added to the uh, collection. Wow. So, mm-hmm. How'd that turn out? The series not good. Yeah, not good. Not no. good. No, yeah. no. But <laughs> I just remember the car chase. The car chase, game five. I was so angry. I was a junior in high school, <laughs> and they split the screen, and it's Ewing versus Elijah Wan and OJ and AC, and I was the only person in America. I, I am not allowed to say the things that I was yelling at the television, but I wanted that ordeal over because it was getting in the way of game five that the Knicks won, the last game they won in that series. Of the 1994 NBA Finals, I love it. Uh, I don't. Yeah, we should probably shouldn't discuss the things that you were <laughs> you were yelling. Uh, but I'm I'm assuming you wanted AC to take the reins a little. I bit. I just wanted it over. <laughs> <laughs> By any means possible. <laughs> I just wanted the ordeal to be off my television so we could focus on the game. Oh, uh, I do. So. I have to. I have to mention this. I was watching. Uh, yeah, we like, we like the periodic. It turned on the the local news. Watching our friends over at Fox nineteen. I always like to check out Joe and Jeremy. But before they came on, uh, it was uh, Chancellor Win, our favorite reporter over there, was live at the like a, a crash was happening or something on the highway, yeah. and he's sitting there talking. All of a sudden, he brings his mic up. He was wearing the OJ gloves. Remember when OJ was oh, wearing? Yeah. And they showed that OJ on the sideline of the playoff game that we. Yeah. Rewatch was wearing yeah. those gloves. I'm like, Chancellor Wynn has the OJ gloves. I hope this is not some sort of foreshadowing to his future. <laughs> is that how they're marketed? Like, if you go into the I mean, tour, how could they not be at this point? These are the OJ gloves? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Broncos back. The Broncos back. Are Bruno Molly's shoes back? I, I think it's time to bring. I mean, o- OJ's like, I don't know. Everything from the 90s is cool again. Is OJ? No. Like, no. I, I got, I got the gloves never. are. No. Bronco is the gloves are About the gloves are. Week, somebody will say to me, "Did you see what OJ tweeted?" No. And I will say, "I don't have many policies. <laughs> I do have a a pretty strict policy against following double murders." Yeah, fair, absolutely <laughs> fair. Uh, so, 
just pointed out that I, it was the first thing I thought was yes. when I see a reporter with those gloves, uh, OJ gloves. All right, let's move on. Let's let's not. I have a, I have a question for you. Speaking of things that could go wrong, yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you this. We we spend people are spending so much time and, and round six options. Let's talk about them, right? Like it's a getting a little when deep. you when you say people. Yeah, others. Don't, don't, it's don't, not you. Don't. This is my point. <laughs> I want to go broad. I want to go back to the broad feeling with you here because yeah. I know that's where your focus is, and it kind of is mine too. And everyone talks about the best options. Is there a mistake the Bengals can make in your mind? What are what are you worried about with them in this draft? Mm-hmm. Is there something you're concerned that you would say that is the mistake I didn't want to see at any point in this draft? Hmm. Like, could they pick the wrong player? Sure, it's the draft. I, I hate I hate crapshoot because that sort of undermines the work that goes into it, uh, and I don't like framing it that way, but there's an element of luck. Sure, they could pick the wrong player, but are they capable of making a mistake that you're going to look back at the end of this season or even at the end of the next three or four years and go, oh, my God, that doomed this franchise? No? Because everything gets offset by having number nine. Um, and, and again, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize the importance of the draft itself. It's going to become even more important to this team, given the fact that the finances are about to change dramatically and they're going to let players go and guys are going to leave. And we're seeing some of that this off season. So yeah. Do, do, do they have to have nailed it with Dax Hill last year? Yes. Because you've, let two very good safeties get away. And the way you uh, mitigate that is by continuing to draft and develop very well. So that's obviously very important. I I don't know that they could fail. I I don't know that they could do something that's just going to make us go, man, what the hell are they doing? I'm sure. I mean, especially given how late they're drafting, we're all going to have when the 28th pick comes up, our preferences based on who's available, but, but can they royally screw it up? I find a hard time believing that that that's the case. They're not drafting for this huge glaring need that if they don't address it in round one or round two or round three, uh, you know, it's it's going to derail the franchise. I'm intrigued by what happens at running back because it's to me it's been the story of the offseason because Samaj P. Ryan left and and that seemed to be pretty jarring for a lot of people. The Joe Mixon thing is still sort of looming over everything that's that's transpiring right now they haven't brought in a free agent the ezekiel elliott thing was fun for talk radio hosts for a day or two but that really hasn't materialized into anything really substantial and so it's abundantly clear they're going to take a running back are they taking a guy who gives them dimensions that they've lacked and can that guy make an immediate impact do they take two running backs which i'm kind of have to a degree lobbied for I don't know, but but I I don't I don't know that they could just completely screw it up. I don't know that there's a scenario that really exists where they just where we walk away on Monday going, what the hell are they doing? Where they're getting F's from the people who grade drafts. I don't think that's gonna happen. I mean, maybe not a specific pick, but if if it's a more of an a broad picture where say Say five O linemen are off the board, and they they take the sixth best one in the front at, in the at twenty eight, and yeah, then then are you thinking, oh, there's some Reach. panic that that's not yeah, that's not this team's mo, and then would that cause concern when you see them kind of go 
outside of of their own trends in that in that, that would but but i i guess i don't really entertain that as a possibility because that's mm. just not what they do i mean i i have a hard time thinking that <clears throat> when we go to bed late thursday night early friday morning that we're going to go god they really reached for now look i mean they they could certainly take a player late in the first round who some have a second round grade on because of where they're drafting that that yeah. may happen but i i don't know that you're going to go Boy, they could have gotten that player late on Friday, and they took him late on on Thursday. I, that's just, I I don't know that in the first round. I mean, it's not like they've nailed every pick by any stretch. Uh, Billy Price, John Ross, etc. But uh, we, and I, I think I'm guilty of it, maybe more than some. We we talk so much about a specific position. They got to draft this position that. Uh, the pick comes up and it's like, okay, these guys are off the board. Now do you want to take this player just because he plays that position? Because you might be able to get him uh, late in the second round, or you might be able to get a comparable player late in the second round. That That's just not the sort of thing they do. And, and you guys have written about this and talked about this. Their needs match up with where the depth in the draft is. So there's no real need to reach. So if there's no real need to reach and it's a team that hit historically, at least doesn't reach, that's not something that I, I spent a lot of time worrying about. Um, Because that's kind of my point, is that I don't think they can really screw it up it, today. Like, we wouldn't know. Yeah. Right. You know, in, in two years, you can say, oh, man, passing on this guy for that guy turns sure. out was a mistake. Sure. That's, the, that's possible in every draft. They, they are not high stakes this year. There, mm-hmm. is, there is not a high stakes nature to the bank. I mean, they have to hit because obviously it's a draft. They have to build the contracts are all that stuff. But I just don't think that there's reason for Bengal. To me, it's like a win-win type situation for them. They're, they're going to take guys. You're going to be, you're going to talk yourself into them after they're selected. (laughs) And that's how, and you're, and it's going to work out for the most part. And then we'll look back in a couple years and say, ah, they might've made some mistakes here or there. But to think that they'll know that immediately is probably untrue, barring something totally uncharacteristic, which they've been fairly solid and predictable in recent years. Yeah, I mean, Dax Hill to me last year is sort of an example of that. Um, There wasn't a lot of draft run-up Dax Hill hype. I I know everybody wrote about him and talked about him. I remember doing this, the the mock draft with you guys, and I think Rapine, James, uh, took Dax Hill. He was the guy that uh, talked the most about Dax Hill, but but... I got to be honest with you. It's it's not like I sat in a radio studio fielding calls from people yelling about the pros or cons of Dax Hill. So they take him, and then what do we do? We okay, how does he fit? Eh, sort of a long term play. Uh, well, you can now read some very uh, strong tea leaves as it relates to to Jesse Bates, and then we, you know, okay, uh, he's not going to play so much his first year, but okay, this year he's got to play, and by the end of this season, maybe we'll have a a more firm idea as to whether or not he he's he's going to you know live up to the to the billing and 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 prove deserving of that pick. We're not going to be able to do that at the end of the draft. We couldn't do it at the end of the draft this past year. Uh, the success of the 2023 Bengals is going to be uh, largely uh, <laughs> contingent upon players who are on the team right now. So uh, yeah, could they could they could three or four years from now when we regrade drafts go boy that 2023. Uh, class was a swing and a miss. Sure. Are we going to do that on Monday after the draft? Uh, no, somebody will, somebody will, but, but they shouldn't, but I mean, when's as if you go back over the last, I don't know, 15 years, um, 
all different types of drafts they've had. How many times has somebody come out at the end of the draft and been like, the hell are the Bengals doing? I mean, even some of the picks they've made that didn't work, John Ross didn't work out. I certainly don't recall anybody after the draft going, boy, John Ross, what are they thinking? Now it's very easy to go, hey, they could have had Patrick Mahomes. Nobody did that back then. They took Billy Price. <clears throat> and and uh, Billy Price didn't work out. At the end of that draft, I don't recall anybody going, oh, boy, Billy Price. I remember people saying, you know what? He might be better off playing guard, but I don't recall anybody laughing at that pick. Uh, and and so I, I, I find it hard to believe that now with a good team in place and a pretty good recent track record of drafting that suddenly we're going to do something we haven't done at, at any point over the last 15, 20 years, and that's really loudly complain about the draft in its entirety. And again, you may prefer a different player at whatever position the Bengals are picking in, in the round you're talking about, but, but I don't know that anybody's going to just destroy their draft because we haven't, I can't remember the last time when people were talking about draft winners and losers that the Bengals were listed as a loser. Yeah. Don't, don't take Cedric Abwehi and Jake Fisher back to back while the, while simultaneously pissing off your core central leader. <laughs> but like that, but that's that. that that's that's just it. It's it has to be something that goes so catastrophically sideways to really ruin where they're at right now. There's nothing that can really, you know, this isn't a house of cards that this thing is built on. Yeah, but I mean, even that year, 2015. Uh, I don't remember. I remember folks wondering, what's this going to mean for Whitworth? Understandably so. And, and I remember his public comments on the, the matter. But but I don't recall anybody just destroying them. I recall people going, eh, they got a really good team. They're going to make some moves for the future. What are they going to do in the offensive line down the road? Oh, okay, well, they're prioritizing the offensive line. Good for them. I, I don't know. It, it worked out disastrously, but... I don't recall anybody in in real time saying, God, the Bengals just screwed this up. Yeah. And now they're going to let a potential Hall of Famer walk in a year. Or two. Nobody did that. We're not going to do that now. No, I, I know what we did. Everyone obsessed over his arm length. Right. Yeah. I, I still have well, a pic- again, someone took a say, picture of me standing with my arms out next to Abwehi's arms and being like, oh, right. Like it was that's what it was, was all oh, this guy. He's he's got long arms. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and it's going to be amazing. And that's that's what that's what it is. Everyone will talk themselves into whatever it is. And maybe it turns out disastrously. But I don't they're not in a they're not in a spot, I think, where there's really reason to worry going into this draft. It can go poorly because every draft can go poorly, but I don't think there's really reason to worry. I want well, to get and, and again, like if if you if you think today, if you go, okay, I think the Bengals are going to go 12 and 5 and win the AFC North. If you feel that way today, uh, they 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 could take seven dudes who've never played football before. And the Monday after the draft, if I ask most people, what do you think the Bengals are going to do this year? Well, 12 and 5 and win the AFC North. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. again, you're you're drafting for the future and it certainly could impact how you feel about the team moving forward, but I, I don't know that anybody's Outlook for the franchise is is going to change based on three days. Uh, let's play three downs. Are you oh, ready? Boy. Yeah, oh, you man. probably didn't, you didn't even know this was coming. I probably. forgot about it. It's been you so forgot long. about. It. I know. I understand. Yeah. Don't think we're just going to let you get off the hook just because you go away for a few weeks and don't hang out. But I've I've got the I've got our I, of course I've I've got our <laughs> little sound, timer here. Make it sound <laughs> like I was in prison. I mean, you I were, look. 
I took a few days off. Took a, took a look. Does, I mean, one of the, it doesn't matter where you went. You don't have to divulge that here. to us. That's All right? right. Look, after I saw you on opening day, there are a number of places I thought you could have ended up, and Lenny's was mm. only one of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, there's some validity to that. Yes. Uh, that said, um, let's get into it. Okay. Three downs. First down 40 seconds we'll go on to our uh, play clock of course it's gonna be that's gonna be my phone it's very fancy how we do it here uh okay samaj p ryan says he didn't want sloppy thirds do you blame him uh no not at all uh he carved out a really nice role here had a good season he has a chance to go play in a sean payton offense and maybe have a bigger role i, I don't i don't blame him at all if, if the money was the same and the Bengals are going to prioritize running back and bring in somebody who's going to take it, carve into Samaje's touches and Samaje's playing time. And he didn't want that. I don't blame him at all. Now, I think he has a better chance or would have had a better chance of winning here than going and playing with Russell Wilson. Ten but if, if he wants a bigger and better role and wants to do more, I cannot blame him or anybody else. Well done. Uh, I To me. I, I don't I don't have a problem with with anything with Samaje choosing that's where he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. I think he would have played more here though. Yeah. I think maybe. I think Sean Payton might have sold him a bill of goods, start talking sure. about two back systems and not realize the value of being here and how much he actually would have played if mm-hmm. he was here. Um personally, I think that might have been a mystery to the situation. That's that that of, of all the things that have happened this offseason, that to me at least was the most sort of like wow. You yes. know, I mean, th- that was the one where I was, huh, I, I, y- you could have told me Von Bell was going to go. I-, I never bought the whole well, Hayden Hurst. He likes it here. He'll sign for like 12 bucks. No, I, I mean, but the Samaje Pirine one was the first one. The only one that really made me go, wow, really? But good for him. I'm rooting for him. Yeah. I mean, Broncos uh, have a plan. The Bengals have a question mark. That, I mean, maybe that yeah. was the, the deciding sure. factor. Fair. Sure. Fair. Yeah. You don't know what was going to happen next. Um, okay. Second down. Describe your panic level over Odell Beckham Jr. going to Baltimore. <laughs> Can that just be the reaction? Yeah, <laughs> just 40 seconds of cackling. So one of those like TV shows where they have hot takes on sports, mm-hmm. this Craig Carton guy went on TV and said, in Cincinnati, I can smell the panic. Now, mm-hmm. I smell a lot of things when I walk around Cincinnati. Panic <laughs> is not one of them. I live in Cincinnati. I talked to Bengals fans. I am a Bengals fan. The Ravens signed a soon-to-be 31-year-old wide receiver who hasn't gotten through a full season since 2019, and we're not entirely sure who's going to be throwing him the ball, and I'm supposed to panic. Yeah, that's not happening. You remember when One you saved the Browns? What's the ripple? It, because now, if you're if you if you're mocking a corner to the Bengals, and you and that's the direction you want them to go in the first round. Maybe receivers off the table for the Ravens in the first round. They're picking no ahead way. of the Bengals. Corner is the next most likely position. Mm. Maybe, but that's oh, not. Panic. It's not off the table. Not, it's not not they try it's to get panic. Lamar to come back. This was the <laughs> ultimate olive branch to Lamar, and drafting oh, yeah. another receiver in the first round would be the. It's all they care about. That to me, that's what it said. It might have made wide receiver more possible because they're just saying, making it obvious, fifteen million that they are doing anything they can to show Lamar they are going to try to give him receivers. Like to me, it was almost a double down on that. That hey, and there's going to be another one coming, so don't you wait mm. for it. Right? It feels like that's what's coming next. Um, all right, third down for you. Um, 
Did you set a limit of Derek Law puns for today's show? (laughs) (laughs) So I... He gave up the homer last night, and I was I was trying to come up I was trying to come up with one, and then I just made the joke that you know he only threw one pitch, so he's available for today. Yeah, because I really couldn't come up with one that I really really liked, but it wasn't because of lack of effort. And mm-hmm. I will try maybe maybe we'll leave that up to the audience. Uh, I will try to I will try to come up with something. I mean, is is there any more sort of Reds esque loss than last night? Yeah, right. They come all the way back and then first pitch. See ya. <laughs> wow. Wow. No. Can, can, can you uh, do Judas Priest breaking the law as your bumper music <laughs> for uh, today? I think it's possible. I think it's possible. We, we, we will have to get to. I'll come up with a couple myself uh, when we uh, when we show up. It's it's just it's there's just too much. There, there's too much. There's too much of it. it I enjoy. I actually there's a piece of, you know, if you're going to be sort of a sadistic Reds fan, that's really the mm-hmm. only type you can kind of be right now. I think you got to be able to appreciate the laughter you could get from that L last night. <laughs> but because I could see it coming because right. they one pitch. Yeah, One because pitch. they score the the magic <laughs> runner, and I hate the magic runner rule. They score him, but when you're the visiting team, you got to get two runs. Yeah, and so they bunt with Friedel, and I know he's a great bunter, and I know they had good. I hate I hate sacrifice bunting so much. You're giving away an out in a situation where you need to get that run in, and I I get it. You move the guy up ninety feet. I'd rather have the out and see if the guy can get a hit and move the guy to third base, or I, I don't know, maybe score the runner. And so I said to myself, when they didn't get the second run in, this isn't going to end well. We're at least going 11. And chances are, just because of how things work with this bullpen, this ball game just ended. And I mean, John Sadak was like, I'm not even getting done reading the thing. Like, welcome back. Hey, <laughs> and it's co- over. Coming up after the game, we've got monkeys playing poker or whatever the hell they show on that channel. And then see ya. Game over. Bye. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, Mo, I appreciate it. We'll have more on law puns this afternoon. Me and you, three to four, back in the studio together. Excited about that on ESPN 1530. So we'll talk to you then. I can't wait. Thanks, guys. Later, Mo. Thanks, Mo. See you. All right. Great catching up with Mo, as always. And Jay, you know, we did the show and we were like, more. We got defensive line to get through so much to get to. And we're like, this is just, we talk too much. It's uh, it's like Mo always says on his show after the break, and after so the break. You're, you're, we're gonna have yeah. a little break, and we'll come back with D line. This is talk. like this is late for a break. Late. Yes, That's the, yes, yes. And so this is uh, we 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 went too long. So I'm like, you know what? Let's break this up because we we don't want to shortchange the defensive line conversation. No. Start pushing you so deep into this episode. So we're gonna wrap this one up, and we'll have the defensive line conversation coming to you on our next episode this week. So. Very excited to get into all that. Great stuff there, too. Uh, But we're going to wrap this one up right now. So thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be talking about defensive line uh, later this week. So make sure you check that out. Uh, We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. 